0: We're going to see a messenger. We just heard a messenger, uh, someone just like you and I who uh, God has touched, sending the message about who Christ is, and so this morning uh, we're going to look at uh, a unique message uh, given, uh, and we're going to see it in Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. You know, the Bible is replete with narratives of miracles there are miracles everywhere you look And simply put a miracle is a work that can only be explained by God and I love to browse through the Old Testament and see the numbers of miracles that are in the Old Testament one of my favorite Old Testament characters is Elisha and if you want to read about his story uh, really in the beginning of 2nd Kings the first few chapters you read and because the power of God was upon him, Elisha performed a lot of miracles. One time somebody was eating some stew and they said there's poison in the pot and people were getting sick and oh Elisha threw something in there and the stew was healed and they probably had a, a great time together. Uh, also uh, there was a time that someone had barred an axe and as they were Uh, using that axe. The head of the axe fell down in the water and the person was distraught. They said, this is borrowed. It's lost. And uh, Elisha had a stick thrown over the uh, water where the axe fell. and defying gravity, that axe head uh, rose uh, up to the top of the surface and they were able to secure it. But probably one of the greatest miracles that happened in regard to Elisha happened after he died. And I love this story. It's in 2 Kings Chapter 13, Some uh, Elisha had died. He was buried, and and subsequent to that, some Moabite raiders came into the land, and and there was a man who had died, a warrior uh, for Israel who had died, and they needed to bury him quickly because they were being threatened by the Moabites. And so they dug a grave right into where Elisha's grave was, And it says, when that man's body touched Elisha's bones, he rose up upright. I mean, think about that. That's an amazing miracle. But there's so many miracles in the Old Testament. Uh, You know, we think about the parting of the Red Sea or the day when the earth for one entire day did not rotate on its axis. We might say the sun stood still so that Joshua could defeat the enemies or what about Gideon defeating 160,000 men with just 300 and how about the time when the vast army from the uh, nations surrounding Judah came against uh, God's people and the king began to lead the people in song and as a result of that without ever lifting a weapon uh, the enemies were defeated. But as we think about the many miracles, one that definitely would come near the forefront would be the miracle of the birth of Isaac. You remember God came to Abraham when he was 99 and and, uh, his wife Sarah was about 10 years younger and he said, you're going to have a child. And basically Abraham said this, can a man 100 years old father a child? Can a child be born to a 90-year-old woman? And yes, it certainly did happen. And I thought about uh, our father of the Jews, Abraham, and all of the Jews after that, telling that story of the miraculous birth of Isaac and how it was a fulfillment of the promise that God had given and how that story for years and years was told. And then we come to our text this morning. Is there anything that could be greater than a child being born to an elderly couple? Yes, yes there is, and Mary and Joseph would see it with their own eyes, and they would experience it with their own lives, the miracle of the virgin birth. Look with me in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you're to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophets. See, the virgin will become pregnant, give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but he did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Let's pray. Fathers, we look at this great miracle in history. May we never lose the amazement of the virgin birth, how you became man, how you saw us in our need and decided to act. Lord, we studied uh, today about love, how love acts. And Lord, you acted toward us by sending Jesus to this earth to die for us. I pray that if there be any here today, who have heard this testimony from Walter, or who will hear your word today, that they would say, I want to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I do believe in Jesus Christ, and I lift this prayer in his holy name. Amen. You know, today and next week, we're going to separate out from our study in Ephesians. We uh, just completed the first three chapters of Ephesians in our study. We'll pick up with the uh, uh, second three uh, after the new year. Uh, But we're reading here one of the two Gospels that include narratives of uh, the birth of Christ and and Luke being the other. And and this morning, we're going to look at the more brief of the two, but that doesn't mean that there's not a lot that we can glean from these verses this morning. Uh, Very simply, this morning, what we're going to look at is this. We're going to look at... Uh, the uh, way that God spoke when Jesus came to this earth in preparation for his coming. We're going to look at the one to whom he is speaking here in our text, and then we're going to see the message that is conveyed. You know, God can speak in any way. I had a friend that accepted Christ. He was a great encouragement to me when I was at seminary. He was studying for the ministry. Uh, He was saved by hearing the gospel presented ...on a television broadcast. I know people who have been saved under the preaching of God's word. I know people who have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ through one-to-one encounters. God is not limited in how he can speak to us. And we see here that God speaks to Joseph to reveal who Jesus is through a dream. And and so this morning I want to look at the carrier of this message... You know, Matthew omits the proclamation that's given to Mary about the birth. Luke includes that. And God in his sovereignty understood that we needed all of the gospels together. We know in in, uh, Luke's gospel that Gabriel came to Mary and revealed to her that she would give birth to the Christ. And we know the great magnificat that followed that, how Mary praised God that he would use such an unworthy individual to, to give birth to Christ so as we begin to look at this a lot of times near the beginning of Jesus life and near his passion week the last week I like to go to a resource by A.T. Robertson it's called the Harmony of the Gospels and what he does in this is he gives us uh, um, a sequence of events so we know what happens you know we read these things and you say okay When did he come to Mary? When did he come to Joseph? And reading what A.T. Robertson did, and he studied this extensively, we know that this proclamation came to Joseph after John the Baptist's birth, John being Jesus' relative. And while it's specified in Luke that Gabriel brought the message to Mary, there's no such specification here. It merely says an angel came to Joseph. And so we see that God spoke through a dream by an angel, the avenue that he, in which he spoke what was a dream. You know, I, I dream frequently. In certain seasons, it seems I dream four or five uh, dreams a night sometimes. I don't know about you. Some people say they never dream. Some people say they dream a lot. Lately, I've been dreaming a lot. The worst dream I have, and I'm being honest, a recurring dream, is I'm in college and something has gone wrong. In fact, one dream that I've had that is recurring is that I was enlisted or enrolled in a class and I never went to the right class and it was the last week in time for exam and I realized I was never there. I've had that over and over again. Man, you wake up and you're sweating. I, I had a dream literally this past Monday that I was in two classes. I had five papers that I needed done as a result of reading five books, and I had not started to read the very first one, and it was the day before the exam. I woke up, my heart was racing. I've had those dreams. I literally have them. But I've never had a dream, as far as I know, with spiritual direction in it. I guess maybe you think I don't dream very spiritually. (laughs) I've heard the gospel. But I've heard the gospel in all likelihood, as you have, from a person, through a message, or whatever. But we see here that God used a very specific means to convey the word to Joseph, and that was through a dream. I understand from testimonies that in countries where the gospel is not being preached regularly, that many people are hearing the message of Jesus through dreams. I've heard that in many countries where uh, there's um, uh, violence against those who carry the gospel message, that God is still reaching people through dreams. But it's very important. Years ago, we did a study um, with Henry Blackaby, uh, who wrote the the course Experiencing God. And I remember one thing specifically. He said, it's not how God spoke but that God spoke. You might say today, I've not had a dream that that has revealed uh, Jesus to me. I've not had an angel come to me. Well, guess what? Join the club. I haven't either. It's not how God spoke, but that God speaks. And God speaks today. God spoke to Joseph very very specifically uh, through a dream by an angel. I shared last week that I have been reading a book written by Dr. David Jeremiah called Where Do We Go From Here? I think a few of you have been listening to some messages along uh, that same line. And and in the book, he shares a story about an Armenian man who is incarcerated. This man actually took someone's life. It was self-defense, but his argument was not very good in court. As a result of that, he, he received four and a half years' imprisonment. The Armenian man, the first night he got there, he began to weep. Not only was there no one of his nationality, he didn't know anyone there, and he began to cry. And it was then that he remembered his grandmother's Bible. He remembered his grandmother's faith. Two days later, a fellow prisoner saw him uh, in uh, the corridor there, and he gave him a Bible. Then, about a week later, another person shared with him a written testimony of a person who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this Armenian who was incarcerated, he he found out how to get in contact with that person. He contacted that fellow Armenian who formerly had been incarcerated, and guess what? That man was able to come visit him in prison, shared Christ with him, and he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. A grandmother's faith, a gift of the Bible, a testimony that's written, a personal visit. All of these things came together. This man believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's since been released from prison. Right now he is running an auto shop as a mechanic. He he owns his own shop and he's sharing Christ as he does his work. God spoke through all of these avenues and God spoke to Joseph. But think about it this morning being that we do not normally hear God, at least in our context, through dreams or through angels. Let me issue a challenge to you today. Would you consider being a messenger of the gospel to others? That's why I was blessed with what Walter just shared with us. I, 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 I wish the video had been more clear because he's a handsome guy. Maybe he's listening to me saying this. Uh, but as he shared that, What was he doing? He was sharing a message for you to hear. We can do the same. Next month, beginning on Wednesdays, we're going to be going through a study titled Concentric Circles of Concern. And the focus of this study is to bring to our awareness the spiritual needs that are around us that we might be able and equipped to share him with those with whom we have relationship. The Word tells us faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Joseph heard, and thus he was able to act. God spoke. And that leads us to Joseph. And secondly, we see the one who received the message. Before this text, we know very little about Joseph. But he is included in the genealogy of Jesus in Luke and in Matthew. Joseph was not a person to draw a lot of attention to himself. He was not the most popular person. He was not aristocratic. He was a simple man descended from the tribe of Judah and very importantly, through the line of David. In our study of the kings on Wednesday nights, we've talked about the promise that was given to David, 2 Samuel 7, 16, that he would never lack to have someone of his line to be on the throne. We just finished this study a couple of weeks ago, and when we finished it, the last king of Judah was taken, removed, and the people went into exile in Babylon. And after that, there was no other king mentioned. So you'd say, that God break the promise? No, Jesus is eternal. Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise. And Jesus is coming back again. He came first at Bethlehem. He's coming back again. The scripture says to God's holy city, Jerusalem, as the eternal ruler. And so Joseph was blessed to be chosen of God to be the earthly father of Jesus. When God was preparing to do his greatest work, he didn't go into the king's palaces. He went to a simple man. He went to a young virgin. He took the message to shepherds. Don't believe for a minute that you have to be something. You have to be in a position in order to be used by God. That's a lie from Satan. God desires to use us wherever we are. Now, at this time when this angel came to this dream, Joseph had a plan. You see, Joseph was engaged to be married to Mary. And actually, engagement is a wrong term. That's trying to impose our culture on that culture. In that particular culture, There were three phases to the committed relationship between a man and a woman. The first was the arrangement. And many times, and even in cultures today, parents would arrange the marriage. But after the arrangement would be the betrothal. And that is the state that Mary and Joseph were in when they received revelation about who Christ would be. Now betrothal is more than engagement. My sister was once engaged and, and the guy did not feel a peace about it. He broke off with her. There were really no repercussions and both of them love the Lord and are serving the Lord and you can see where God led to that, but there was no binding agreement at that point. But in that culture a betrothal was a binding agreement even though the marriage had not been consummated. It could not be severed except by divorce. And so while they had not come together as husband and wife in the same house, they were still committed to one another. And it was at this point that Joseph found Mary to be pregnant. But then the third stage was marriage. And this would usually happen about a year before or a year after uh, the betrothal now this is very important a lot of us know John 14 1 through 6 where Jesus says I go to prepare a place for you and if I go to prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may you may be also we miss the real meaning of that because we don't understand the culture of betrothal once an individual was betrothed, the groom-to-be would go to his father's house and begin to build the abode where he would live with his bride. He would come back after that year of working and take her to be with him. And at that point, the, the, the relationship would be consummated. Now, Joseph and Mary had not gotten to this point, And really, Joseph knew two things at this point. Mary, the one to whom I'm betrothed, is pregnant, and there's no way I'm the father. And so being an honorable man, he decided that he was going to privately divorce her, not draw a lot of attention, not to shame her, because he truly loved her. And that was his plan until he had a dream. God told him that a miracle had happened. She was a child by the Holy Spirit. He believed, and he changed his plan. And simply put, this passage tells us that Joseph, when he awakened from the dream, immediately obeyed the message he heard about Jesus. I was talking with Paul this past week, and he shared an interesting thought on it, uh, an interesting take. And I would agree, Joseph may well be the very first person called to make a decision about Christ. Think about it, a conscious decision about Christ. He was placed in a crisis of belief, are you going to obey? And he did. And this belief brought significant repercussions. Listen this morning. If you've never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, believe on him today. Born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, died a perfect death, and rose again. Won't you believe the testimony, the gentleman who's lived a long time on this earth, just shared before I preach, And I want you to see, though, the content of the message that was received. There are really three things. The first was this. Jesus was born of a virgin. He was not born of Joseph's seed, but he was born of the Holy Spirit. Some today will say the virgin birth is not that important. I vehemently disagree. Because the, the conclusion of the virgin birth is this, Jesus, fully God and fully man. There's none like him, worthy of all our praise. It is a picture of the love of God for us that he came to this earth. Now we need to be very careful that we don't esteem Mary above what she should be esteemed, that she was not a perpetual virgin. We see it in uh, verse 25. It said, he did not have relations with her, but it qualifies until she gave birth to a son. So it didn't say forever. In fact, James, uh, rather Galatians 1.19, speaks of James being the brother of Jesus. And so while Mary is to be esteemed as a woman of faith, she is not in any way to be worshiped or deified. She was a simple woman. Joseph, a simple man who believed in God, and God did amazing things. Jesus was born of a virgin. Secondly, Jesus was God with us. That's what the scripture tells us in verse 23. The virgin will become pregnant, give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel. That's from Isaiah 714. If you've been here a number of years, you just got to give me a little grace in this. But there's one illustration I've shared a number of times, and you say, oh, no, there's that illustration Rick is sharing. Hopefully you know it, but this is for people who are new. Years ago, my daughter was at an amusement park, and when she was there, she uh, ambitiously tried to go across this catwalk. It was a netting. And as she was making her way part across, she was about five or six years old, and um, She froze in fear. She was in the air. It's just like when a kid's on the end of a diving board and there are ten kids yelling, jump, jump, and they can't wait. And it was one of those moments for her. And I'll never forget, she's got big eyes. She looked down at me, and I was sitting down there, and she she didn't say a word. She was petrified. It was, Dad, come get me. Now, I'm big now. I, I wasn't as big then, but I was an adult. You know what I did? I climbed through those kids, went and got my daughter, and brought her to safety. I went up because she was in need. Listen, God came down because you were in need. He saw your need, and he didn't just sit back, but he came and acted. Jesus Christ came to us, God with us. He came because he loved you. But I want you to see a third thing. Jesus is the Savior those who would believe. The name Jesus means this, Yahweh saves. Over these past uh, couple of Wednesdays, we've been looking at Old Testament prophecies of the coming of Christ, both the first and second coming, and you can see why there was so much excitement about Jesus coming. You can see why there was this messianic fervor. They were waiting. They were waiting for the promised one. And again, all of the books of the Old Testament were pointing to him, either as the, uh, through types or foreshadowings or direct prophecies. The Old Testament points to Christ. But they thought he was coming just to deliver them from the hands of the Romans. No, he came with bigger plans to save them and us from our sins my friend that's the gospel of Jesus Christ fully God coming to this earth because he loved us because we have a need dying at Calvary for us and rising again and promising promising life eternal to those who would believe Joseph he believed the first one I would agree to consciously know this is the one, and to say, I believe him. Mr. Flowers believed. I wonder about you. Would you believe him? This past week, I was reading some writings, uh, quotes from John R. W. Stott, who was really one of the great Christian theologians of the past half-century he passed away about a decade ago. Uh, many of you may know his famous book, The, the Cross of Christ. Uh, baptism in fullness is one I've enjoyed reading. But I was browsing through some of his statements, many of which were related to Christmas. I thought I would share them with you in closing this morning as we think about being a witness for the Lord. Start says and I quote a Christian should resemble a fruit tree with real fruit not a Christmas tree with decorations tied on I like that this is good for preachers how the gospel can stand on its own it doesn't need anything added to it he said never use a gallon of words to express a spoonful of thought our unadorned words should be enough the gospel can stand on its own Here's another one, grace is God loving, God stooping, God coming to the rescue, God giving himself generously in and through Jesus. And then finally this quote, and I liked it, he said, Stott said, the essence of sin is man substituting himself for God. The essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. While man asserts himself and puts himself where only God deserves to be, God sacrifices himself and puts himself where only man deserves to be. That is a picture of the incarnation. He put himself where we are for us. I don't know that Joseph understood all of that, but he understood enough to believe and obey. What about you today? Let's pray. Father, We thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ, an account much older than any of us would be, but still as relevant, as pertinent, as impactful as ever. Father, I thank you for this testimony that we heard this morning. I thank you, Lord, for someone who was willing to say, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray you would use that testimony. that would encourage others to believe and to share. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Our closing uh, this morning is going